Hey, everybody. Have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the opportunity to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike LaPree, with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? And this is episode 97 of Screwball. We're moving on to the second part of our uh, divisional series predictions before the 2022 season. We're moving on to the AL Central Division. Last week we did the AL East Division. We're moving our way through the American League and then over to the National League. As of right now, we are doing, obviously, our predictions for the season that has yet to have an official <laughs> CBA signed, so we're still working through that. As of right now, as of recording this, we still have uh, the same opening day. Um, so, you know, the same as last week, kind of a disclaimer, you know, we're working through these teams and offering predictions for each AL Central team uh, without the you know prospect of knowing where certain free agents will go. But certain free agents have already signed for some of these teams. Some big ones like Javier Baez we'll get into. But just as a you know, as a disclaimer, if you haven't, if you didn't listen to last week's episode and you're just jumping in now, we are working off the current rosters, which for the most part are pretty, you know, what you'll see on opening day. But um, just know that these are going to be, you know, subject to who knows the lockout could end. The White Sox could go get, you know, someone crazy. You know, they could they could go get uh, Rodon back or something. You know, I don't know. So with that, let's just I'd say let's just jump into the AL Central teams, um, starting with the White Sox. And kind of start offering up what our preliminary kind of thoughts are on the, on the roster. So I'll start with what is the projected opening day lineup for the White Sox, uh, and that is leading off shortstop Tim Anderson, third baseman Juan Moncada, first base Jose Abreu, catcher Yasmani Grandal, outfielder Luis Robert, outfielder Eloy Jimenez, and at the DH position you can kind of go either way, but there's Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn are the, probably the top two candidates. And then you have outfielder, outfielder Adam Engel and second base Larry Garcia. Um, so, you know, White Sox pretty much cruised to a division title last year. I, I suspect that they're pretty much in – they're the favorites again here. Uh, you like what you see out of the lineup. The lineup's got a lot of pop. they got a lot of good team chemistry. You know, obviously I think losing someone like Nick Madrigal hurts because the second base position is obviously a bigger hole than it used to be. But I think that, you know, as I'll let Frank kind of get into it, the rotation, rotation's good, bullpen's good, and the lineup is something obviously to be feared. They just got to put it all together. They got a good manager, you know, so just put it all together, and I think the pieces are there and do a little bit of work on free agency, just little pieces, you know, uh, holes to fill. And uh, this team's pretty, in my opinion, this team's kind of, you know, ready to go. I think they're going to be like last year. Uh, yeah, you know, they uh, offensively, defensively, they're, they're one of the better teams. You know, some bench guys that throw out there, too. You know, you mentioned Adam Engel. You got, uh, you know, uh, Larry Garcia, which you mentioned. So, you know, they, they have some room they can do on the second base. They have some room they can add on the bench. You know, there's, there's some guys out there they can make a, you know, a trade for or sign free agency-wise uh, when the season opens up. Uh, Pitching-wise, they got Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel still. Uh, there's a couple starting pitchers. You know, the most important ones, I guess you could say, are bigger names at this point. Uh, relief pitching wise, they still have Kimbrel and they have Liam Hendricks. So there's just two one of the best, two of the best relievers in baseball. Mm. Then you add Aaron Bummer, Michael Kopech, and Garrett Crochet, who two of the three of those guys could be starting pitchers if needed. Right. Otherwise, they're just hard throwing bullpen guys. Mm. Um, so bullpen wise, they have one of the better bullpens in all of baseball, I think. 
Um, and starting pitching wise, they obviously got weaker with Rodon as of now being gone. But um, with their lineup being one of the better lineups, defensively they're pretty good. And then with the deep bullpen, they're a pretty good team. Right. So obviously they have some room they can make. Maybe they're starting pitching and maybe second base, a little depth kind of thing they can add to. Um, also prospect wise, you know, they're they're not great. A lot of these guys came up already or kind of lost their prospect tag, or maybe they traded a couple of them, you know, the Kimbrell thing, Kimbrell trade, but, you know, they got uh, Colson Montgomery, shortstop, uh, Yalikwe, Cespedes, Cespedes' brother, uh, the outfielder, and Jake Berger. He is third baseman. As of now, they have none, no prospects in the top 100. I would assume, because these guys are, are relatively good, I would imagine these three are probably right outside the top 100 as of now. But a lot, that's the reason for that is they had... Jimenez up, right? He came up recently. Luis Robert up recently. Uh, Mancada, uh, even Giolito, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Kopech, Crochet. A lot of these guys are, just came up. They traded away Nick Madrigal. So they traded away a couple of them, but they also had a lot of them just come up. So that mm-hmm. would make, you know, explains why their their prospect system maybe looks a little weaker than right. some other teams. But um, overall, the team's good. Um, and this is a team that's probably going to be sitting at the top of the division or battling it for the top of the division pretty much all year and, you know, for a deeper playoff, playoff spot. Yeah, they're a good team, and, you know, they were a great team last year, and um, they haven't quite been able to put it together. They, I think what kind of hurt them is the, the the nature of this division. It wasn't really quite that competitive. They probably, you know, I don't know how many games, they probably just kind of floated along. They floated along to the division title, and that might have hurt them, as opposed to kind of staying in a competitive nature, like kind of like almost like the AL East where you had to fight tooth and nail to even get a wild card position. Um, I think that hurt them a little bit, but the talent's there. I mean, bullpen, the back end of the bullpen, you got, what, three or four guys that throw 100-plus, you know? Yeah. Your rotation's already good without adding anything to it. You got a good lineup. You got some depth. You even got guys like, you know, I don't even know what's going on with them, but Yerman Mercedes was a surprise for the first half of the year last year. Who knows what he can do if he comes back and offers you some pop or – uh, maybe offer some heroics and a playoff push or something. So, you know, they're a good team, and I think they're pretty self-explanatory at this point. I like the White Sox. I like this team. I like Tony La Russa. So, I mean, I think there's a lot to like here, obviously, unless you're a Guardians fan or Tigers fan or something. You know, <laughs> you know you're a divisional fan uh, uh, here. So, um, But I think overall the White Sox are a good team, and I think you're going to see them at the top of the division, if not maybe even like last year where they're just kind of – they just take it. But for now, uh, you know – I think that uh, I think they could make one or two small moves and make it even better and really shore up a playoff spot. That's kind of how I'm thinking. Next team here we have is the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians starting this year. So for their starting lineup, I have uh, outfielder Miles Straw, shortstop Ahmed Rosario, third baseman Jose Ramirez, DH slash outfielder Franmil Reyes, first base Bobby Bradley, second base Andres Simenez, catcher Austin Hedges, and outfielder Bradley Zimmer. Again, I think this is just uh, early predictions. I think there's some holes here that, you know, um, some names that could be filled with someone else or some free agent signing. I know that I think there's been some uh, big rumors with the Guardians with some free agency, but they're also kind of rebuilding, so I don't know how, how that would work out. You know, so, I mean, lineup is is lackluster. You know, you have Jose Ramirez and Fran Will Reyes in the middle you like. Uh, Mid Rosario has some, you know, has some talent there. He's certainly no uh, Lindor as far as, like, the face of the game type thing for, that they had. But, you know, they're they're not a team I, I don't think that's really pushing right now for a playoff spot. They've kind of been this weird middle ground team that kind of doesn't know where they want to go, what they want to do. They finally made the big move of getting rid of Lindor and getting some prospects. 
Um, but they, you know, they didn't make the big, big move and also get rid of Jose Ramirez or kind of keeping him around. They have a good rotation. I think that they actually have an underrated rotation, all things considered. Uh, they have a really hard throwing bullpen, you know, they have some depth. So the team has talent. I'm not going to say that they're a bad team, but I don't know where they fit. It's kind of like, I probably have said this for the last two prediction things. I don't know where they're, where they're at, you know, could they be a good team? Sure. You know, they could be a surprise team. I could see it. But, you know, there's not enough here for me to really say, yeah, you know, they could go for the playoffs. They're just kind of maybe a 500, maybe a little sub or above 500 team. They're kind of floating right there. That's yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking with them. Yeah, they have some good They have some good pieces. Obviously, they still need to work on it. There's stuff like free agencies they can go pick up and whatnot to help this team. You know, they got guys like Sandy Leone, you know, who's been around. And, and Jose Ramirez, obviously. Josh Naylor, Miles Straw, Oscar Mercado. And you mentioned, you know, they have uh, Jose Ramirez and, and, and Fran Reyes in the middle of the order. Um, so they got some pretty good offense. They obviously still have some holes. Their outfield's still not strong. You know, some young guys coming up as well. Pitching-wise, they have a really good pitching rotation. Uh, Shane Bieber, Zach Plezak, uh, Tristan McKenzie. Those are some young, real good pitchers there. Bieber obviously getting a little older now. You know, not quite the young young guy. You know, he's still young, but not, you know, maybe not the, you know, still up and coming. Uh, Please Zach and McKenzie though. McKenzie, especially at the end of last year, you know he was flirting with a couple of no hitters. So pitching wise, they have some good pitching. Relief wise, Emmanuel Clase, one of the best closers in baseball, has you know hundred mile per hour cutter. And then you have James Karinshack, who you kind of put him as your closer, setup man, middle of the game, your your fire putter outer. I guess you could say your firefighter, right? Mm-hmm. He can just come in wherever. Um, when he's going good, first half of last year, he was nuts. Second half of the year, he was all over the place. That's why you got that wild thing nickname, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pitching wise, they're okay. They're younger. I feel like they could maybe add something in the bullpen, a more stationary guy who's kind of been been that good, been good for a while. Right. That would help them and maybe a piece of the offense. Otherwise, they have good pitching as they always do. You know, overall they just have a pretty good team. Again, they don't really know what they're going to do, especially with a free agent move or a trade here or there. Uh, Matt Olson was floated around. That would change this. That would mm-hmm. change your whole team. One maybe one move, one trade that could really change the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, prospect wise, Tyler Freeman, an infielder. Uh, they have George Valera, uh, an outfielder, and then you know you have you have Nolan Jones, third baseman, and uh, these three guys here. Tyler Freeman's 59th in the top 100. George Valera 63. Nolan Jones 68, and they have five in the top 100. Mm-hmm. So they have some prospects up and coming. They have a little bit of money, a little bit of room. They can really add to the team. The division's not that strong as of yet, but we'll be strong really soon. So they can kind of, there's again, just kind of floating on the bubble, which they've been, we've been saying for two years now, similar to kind of what the Diamondbacks kind of been doing. It's like you're kind of there, but you're not really there. So it's like make a decision and go either way. Right. So we'll see what happens there. But, the, you know, the Guardians, the new new named Guardians, um, they're okay. You know, we'll see what they're, which way they want to go here. But as of now, they're all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll they'll cause some problems in the division and they'll, you know, take some games from people and they'll, you know, they'll overall play okay. I just don't know. They're just kind of in the middle somewhere. It's they're, just they're hard, built, to, hard to judge. They're built right now and even the last year or two, they're built really as a hot and cold team. Mm. They'll streak to 10 wins, they'll streak to 10 losses. Um, right. Could even go by their leader, Jose Ramirez, who's a real hot hot and cold hitter mm. player. He'll streak to 500 and then he won't get a hit through, you know, a whole month. Mm. So their team's kind of built like that. They can get on hot runs, they can get on cold runs. Um, that's just because they don't have the depth and the, the real talent. Um, they have enough talent to do that. They mm. all get good together. 
but they also have there's not enough talent to really keep the consistency and shorten the cold streaks and longer the hot streaks to be a real good contender. Yeah, and you know it, it just is what it is. They're kind of they're trying to figure out where they want to go with the franchise at this moment. So uh, I think they have what Anthony Ghost in the bullpen or what? Yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> and he throws like a hundred anymore for some reason. So. That'll be kind of fun to watch, but and Karen Shack Wild thing. I had him in fantasy. He was had like a sub one ERA, and then he had a five ERA. So it's like I, hard to get a peg on him too. The hot and cold, whole, yeah, the hot and cold. Whole team, whole franchise. So it, you know, it's it's weird. Um, we'll see what happens with them. I could see them being like a like a third place team or something, second third. Um, I think that's kind of where they finished last year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Um, so let's move on to the third team in the division, the Tigers. Uh, really up and coming team that we've talked about for a few years now. It's going to be the third year talking about them really coming and trying to cause a problem in this division. Yeah. They're they're pretty much here at this point. Yeah. They're, this is probably the, one of the more optimistic looking teams I'd say, other than obviously the white Sox are self-explanatory, but this is, you know, Detroit fans are just thrilled. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some good stuff here. So, uh, the lineup that I have as a projection, uh, is outfielder, Akil Badu leading off, then outfielder Robbie Grossman, newly acquired shortstop Javier Baez, uh, third base uh, Jamer uh, Candelario, second base Jonathan Scope, DH Miguel Cabrera. Now they have first base, they have filled with Spencer Torkelson. Um, I don't know how realistic that is. I think the guy was just drafted like like last year, um, so I don't know how realistic that is. I know he is supposed to be a hot ticket prospect. Um, I just don't know how realistic starting opening day roster first baseman will be. Uh, then you have catcher Tucker Barnhart and outfielder Victor Reyes. Um, so lineup looking a lot better than it did in past years. You have uh, you have consistent guys like Miguel Cabrera, Jonathan Scope, Javier Baez. You bring over who has had obviously his struggles, but generally brings a little bit of a spark plug aspect to a team. You got a little bit better catcher in Tucker Barnhart. Candelario is good. Uh, Robbie Grossman, I think, is a little bit of an at this point uh, an underrated guy. I think he he actually produces pretty well in that lineup. Uh, Kill Badu came out like a firecracker last season and kind of cooled off, but he's been he's been good for them. Victor Reyes, real speedy guy. So I think the lineup is actually a little underrated. Not that it may be like the playoff push team, but I think that, you know, when they're all kind of hitting the same, you know, when they're all, the, uh, you know, when they're all gelling together, I think that they could really put something together, this lineup. I don't know what they would do at first. Again, Spencer Torkelson's a little bit pie in the sky, I think, at this point. Um, I don't know what their grand scheme for him is, but uh, if you fill that role with, uh, you know, say they go out in free agency and get a good first baseman, um, you know, Matt Olson is out there. I don't know if they would do something like that, but I think that there's some moves here you can make that really turn this team up to a division slash playoff contender. Yeah. Um, I think that the lineup is actually a lot, looking a lot better than it has in the past. Yeah, yeah. They got some other pieces too. Willie Castro put in there. Derek mm-hmm. Hill. Um, Daz Cameron. Victor Reyes, as you mentioned. Um, first base, you know, I, I've seen things where they have Jonathan Scope there. Mm-hmm. Two to get other guys in the lineup. One thing they are losing, Nico Goodrum. Mm. I was always a Nico Goodrum, you know, a bit of a fan of his because of his utility, versatility, and ability to kind of do, you know, a little bit of everything. I believe he was a switch hitter. He kind of was able to really be a good part of the Tigers. Maybe they bring him back at this point, but as of right now, he's not. And at first base, they could definitely look, you know, Rizzo, Freeman, Matt Olson. You know, they also could be, you know, they could be in the Luke Voigt sweepstakes. The Yankees decide to go that way when things open. You add him to the lineup, a guy who's kind of been around a little bit of winning and changing cultures, right? Just seems like a Detroit kind of player, right? Mm-hmm. Had the ups and downs and was supposed to be good. We got beat up at the Cardinals and then 
started playing good. Now he can go to Detroit and kind of take that mentality, that crazy tough mentality, maybe go to Detroit, right? That would be a pretty good signing for a get for them. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what they could do. You know, offensively, they are better. They still have some holes. They're not the greatest offensive team, but they are better. Mm-hmm. Pitching-wise, they have some of the most potential, but they also can fall flat. Casey Mize, Eduardo Rodriguez, Matt Manning, Tariq Scroble, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Spencer Turnbull, right? Turnbull threw a no-hitter last year. You know, these guys have some ultimate talent here, but they could fall flat because they're young guys yet for the most part. But they can, you know, they're as good as they could be or close to as good as they could be. People are saying they could be. This could be one of the best rotations you're ever going to see, you know, one through five. So bullpen-wise, Gregory Soto, who was great last year, guy mm. has, has an unbelievable amount of movement, throws hard. Uh, Michael Fulmer, kind of finding his role in the bullpen now, mm. really strengthen his his resume, essentially being in the, in the bullpen. Uh, Joe Jimenez has kind of been there for a couple of years and kind of been up and down, but you know for the most part he he gets he's been pretty good for them as well. So pitching wise, you know they have potential offensively. They still some holes, but they have some some quality depth there, um, and they have money and they're no, they're kind of ready to go. Uh, prospect wise, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Spencer Torkelson, uh, first base, third base, uh, Riley Green in outfield, and Jackson J- uh, Job pitcher. Torkelson is a fourth ranked prospect. Riley Green seventeen. Job 46, that's their three in the top 100. Um, so they have prospects coming too. Um, but they also, you know, have some money and, and flexibility to make some moves. Right. Um, for maybe a Luke Void, maybe a Rizzo to add at first base, uh, maybe a pitcher, maybe, you know, someone to add to the bullpen a little bit more. You know, again, a guy who's kind of more solid, it's been there, right? Maybe a trade from for Kimbrell. You know, the White Sox are kind of looking at that before the deadline, before the, the lockout. Right. So this is a good team in a city dying for excitement. So this should be exciting. And a division that is essentially open. It's really kind of a White Sox and everyone else. Right. So they could definitely jump in this and, and battle it out. So it's a good team. They definitely have some flexibility. This definitely could change once the lockout ends. If they decide to, you know, continue with their spending, like Eduardo Rodriguez and, and Baez and trading for Barnhart. They're, they look like they're open for business. Right. Yeah, and, and Detroit, you know, was pretty damn good not too long ago. I think they were in the World Series. Two two, um, uh, two stretches of it. Yeah. You know, the old Magli Ordonez and guys like that. And mm-hmm. then they had, you know, some struggles there. Then all of a sudden they got good again with Verlander, Miggy, and Victor Martinez. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, guys like Johnny Peralta. And then they were good again. And now they're struggling. It was a little bit longer struggle. But now they're kind of right here on the cusp. Mm-hmm. You know, like teams like, uh, not quite the Orioles, but more the Mariners. Teams like that where they're kind of on the cusp of being really good and young. Yeah, they're probably the closest out of the teams that we've talked about in the past that were, like, really, like, not great, like, really tanking, an Orioles-type team. And I think they're the closest here that we're going to talk about uh, in a lot of aspects to being right there, ready to go. Them and the Mariners. Yeah, we are the Mariners, and yeah. you see their off-seasons, and, well, the beginning of their off-season, and, and you, it, tells you, it gives you your answer, like, yeah, we are about to open this window. Yeah, yeah, the window's about to open, and we're ready to jump in. So let's, you know what I mean? So um, I think Javier Baez is a big sign to you know, to the other players and the other free agent players, like, hey, we're ready, you know, shot we're ready arm. to start, yeah. Shot new arm to the fan base, you know, shot arm to Miggy, he doesn't have to be the guy anymore, which he hasn't been because he just can't be anymore. Mm. So that should only help his game. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but this team is kind of here, here, and it should be an exciting team. Mm-hmm. Um, they can go as far, this year's a wild card, they can go as far as deep in the playoffs, World Series even, with some of this pitching and some of the potential, right. or they can kind of just, fizzle out and be 70 wins and just kind of hang around until next year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they have a they have a definitely a shot at at uh, raising some eyebrows this year. Will they? Will, you know, win the division, eclipse the White Sox? Not quite. Not quite there yet. But they're they're getting there. They're quite the question mark in the whole American League. Yeah, and in the good way. I think that yeah. they're a question mark in the good way. I don't no. think that it's like, well, maybe they're supposed to be good and they're not going to be good. It's like, well, who knows what they'll do, but they got that potential. Yeah. So, so definitely watch out for them. I saw, I even saw some early predictions of them sneaking into a wild card spot. I was like, eh. I was like, that's ballsy, but I'm not going to say you're totally wrong, you know. Yeah. All right. So the next team we have in the AL Central is the Royals, a team that's, you know, a little bit not quite as ready as the Tigers, but you know they got still got some talent here. So their starting lineup is looking like. Uh, Leading off with Merrifield, shortstop Nicky Lopez, catcher Salvador Perez, outfielder Andrew Benintendi. They do have Bobby Witt Jr. as a projected infielder. Uh, they don't even really they had him pegged at shortstop, but you know I don't I don't even think that whoever does projection really knows you know where they're gonna sit. So Bobby Witt Jr. I can see realistically being you know up soon with the team because he was really really hitting well and playing well. But I mean just same thing as Spencer Torkelson. I wouldn't write that in stone or anything. Uh, and then you have DH Alberto Mondesi, first base, first baseman Hunter Dozier, outfielder Kyle Isbell, and outfielder Michael A. Taylor. So, you know, I, I kind of similar, I think, to what I have uh, what I said about them last year, a team that is not bad. They're not going to be like a basement-dwelling team, like, a, like in the traditional sense. Like, you're just going to kind of beat up on them. I think they do have talent in the lineup. Salvador Perez broke the catcher home run rookie uh, home run record. Last year, you know, you, so you have some middle of the lineup guys. Andrew Benintendi was a little bit more of a surprise. Bobby Witt Jr. could offer some some help if he steps in the lineup. Whit Merrifield's always good. Alberto Mondesi stays healthy. You know, so there's a lot of pieces here in the lineup. Uh, I think where they hurt, and you're going to get into it, is the pitching. I think pitching has been their Achilles heel uh, during this kind of rough patch that they had after the after the World Series. But I don't think that they're a team that you just run over. Like you just you just kind of you know forget. That you know, you just kind of run through them like or whatever. It's just another team. We'll sweep the series and move on. Um, I think that they can give you some headaches. Not that they're the best team in the world, but I think the Royals are something to watch, especially for the future with guys like Bobby Witt Jr. in the prospect pool. Again, you'll get into that. So nothing crazy really to run home and tell you know your fan base about. But you know, there's there's things to like in the in the Royals lineup, and and there's some guys in the rotation that that are even you know worth looking at. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned some guys in you know, Carl Santana with, with Merrifield. They kind of kind of making a decision on him, right? Are they going to keep him? They're going to sell, you know, sell him. Mm. Uh, Monesty stays healthy. He's one of the better players. Ben Tendi, Michael Taylor, who had a resurgence, right? Ryan O'Hearn, Hunter Dozier, those are some you know bigger power hitters. Mm. Um, so offensively, you know, Kyle Isbell, they have some decent offense, but they also have some ability to get better and get some depth. You know, they have a good, pretty good defensive outfield as well. Uh, but they can make some moves. They can maybe get rid of Santana if they want to. Merrifield, Perez, Bentendi. There's guys they can, well, maybe Bentendi they keep around. He's a little younger. But there's some guys they can get rid of if they want to go that route, too. Um, pitching wise, Brady Singer, one of their younger guys, expect to be pretty good. Mike Minor, veteran, has been pretty decent for them. Chris Bu- uh, Bubik, mm-hmm. um, not you know not too bad. Brad Keller. So they have some decent guys. Some of them are supposed to be pretty pretty good. They haven't really hit their potential yet. But they're, they're lacking there. They can they can go get a, a you know one of the higher starting pitchers out there and maybe. That would help them. Relief pitching, they need some help. They got Scott Barlow and Josh uh, Stadamont, uh, Stumont. So they need some help there. They do have a bigger ballpark. So pitching should help there. Mm-hmm. Um, not the strongest of the divisions. That should help. Something to look for, too. And they have a pretty good defense, you know, defensive team. So Yeah, definitely. It's not a bad team. It's a young team. 
if they do need some help, you know, if they're willing to spend a little bit of money or make some trades, they can kind of go either way. They can continue to rebuild, trade some of these older guys off, really load up the prospect pool, or they can kind of spend a little bit of money here, make a trade or two in a good way, and kind of get in the hunt of the open division. Mm-hmm. Um, and some prospects they had looked for, Bobby Witt, obviously shortstop, um, Nick Prado, the first baseman, and Asa Lacy, a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, they're ranked 3, 65, 66, and they have four in the top 100. Um, their fourth guy was actually ranked 67. Mm-hmm. So essentially, they have four guys in the top 67 prospects, you know, as the rankings are right now. So they have some prospects to, to play around with and are on the verge of coming up as well. So it's a team, a younger team. You know, they can trade a couple guys. They can make a couple small moves, really kind of help this team continue building. Uh, but a team that's not quite ready to do much right now, um, maybe float around 500, push for a wild card at some times. But, you know, we never know and we'll never know what they're going to do. But, you know, this is a team that's going to be more in the back burner in this division for the next you know, two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of where they sit, and that's kind of how we talked about them the last two years. But not tanking, not bad. No. They definitely can make a run for it. They were in the wild card hunt this year for a while. You know, a team that's just like, okay, they keep their fans entertained, they play good baseball, they run the bases, you know. Mm-hmm. They're just, I don't see it right now unless they have a big breakout. Right. Something like maybe like the Giants have where a couple of guys really start playing good and some of the older guys play good, and all of a sudden they're, you know, one of the better teams. I don't really see that happening, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, they do have enough talent to raise some eyebrows and cause some problems, but altogether, you know, 162-game season, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, you know, that lasts out. And they can even, you know, bite the bullet too and go, what Merrifield, get, we can get out of him, and Perez after coming off that year. You can, and then that really sets your rebuild pretty much, you're, you're ready to go. Yeah, you get whatever you want. a lot of prospects for them, with Monacy being younger and, and uh, Nicky Lopez and Benintendi and Michael Taylor are still pretty young. So, like, you could then all of a sudden, you're right there. Mm-hmm. Bobby Witt comes up and plays good, and you hit on one of the other prospects that we mentioned. All of a sudden, you're you're right there again. Right. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot to like there. And like I said, I think that their big Achilles heel would be the pitching, bullpen and starting rotation. I think that's just, you know, that's a, a part of it that will get better as your team starts to progress and you start to get closer to that, you know, to that, possible division become attractive free agent spot too right yeah and they did win a world series in the last uh you know in the last seven eight years here and so so yeah Twice. so you know i mean they they're already on the radar you know they're they're a spot that you know free agents would look at so um we'll see where they go from here i don't know if they're like i said like a basement dwelling dwelling team in the in the sense but uh you know i don't think they're going to be far from from the bottom two spots you know so we'll see what happens to the royals now, the next team we'll get into, and the last team, is the Twins. Uh, had a very weird, surprising year last year. Just didn't work out for them. You know, they have, and as, as we'll get into here, they do have talent. It's just what the hell happened kind of thing. Where it all just, had bad years. Yeah, it just injuries. all didn't work out. Yeah, injuries. So, yeah, the starting, the projected starting lineup we have for the Twins here is second baseman Luis Arias, uh, outfielder Byron Buxton, Shortstop, Jorge Polanco. Third baseman, Josh Donaldson. Outfielder, Max Kepler. Catcher, Mitch Garver. First baseman, Miguel Sano. DH, Alex Karoloff. And outfielder, Trevor uh, Larnack. You know, again, uh, a talented team that I don't really know exactly what happened last year to to cause the problems they had. Uh, they are, I think the year before that, they broke the record, or two years before that, they broke the record for most home runs in a season or something like that. They, you know, So, you know, I'm not sure exactly... What went wrong? You know, I've got a guy like Byron Buxton who is a just an absolutely stunning athletic guy that just can't stay on the field. Uh, that definitely plays into it where you have your big guy kind of 
not always out there with you. But other than that, Luis Arias, Jorge Polanco, Donaldson, Mitch Garver, Miguel Snow for even his high strikeout, home run or nothing kind of you know rate, there's talent there. There's a lot of talent there. A lot of teams would love to have guys like that. So I think kind of like I said with the Royals that you'll get into is that pitching is a lot of a problem. Uh, you know, I think there's definitely a concept to go for a high offensive team and then figure it out with the pitching. That's definitely a concept. But when your offense then goes cold – and you have all bad years like they did last year, you see what happens. So I don't know where to go with the Twins. I think they have the potential to really, like, surprise a lot of people in the year. That's what a lot, There's a lot of question marks in this division, and I think the Twins are the epitome of that. I don't even know what to do with them, uh, truthfully, to where I would peg them for a record. Um, because if the offense, say everyone is there and, and, they're hit, and they're hitting well, then, you know, all of a sudden that they could be a real problem whenever you come into Minnesota. So... I don't know with them. I, I think that the pitching is definitely a problem. I think that they really are lacking names and arms in the, in the bullpen and in the rotation. So I think that's where they'll find their problems. But after last year, what they went through, I, I don't think anything could surprise me with the Twins. You know? Yeah, I think they, they have a little bit of holes in offensively just because they have a lot of similar players. They could maybe mm. use a guy who's a little bit more contact, Luis Arias, like you mentioned. Um, Nick Gordon's a guy they have around, right? Max Kepler, Alex Krilioff, if boxing can stay healthy. Um, otherwise, pitching, they definitely need some help. Um, but I think they could use maybe a, a piece somewhere in the offense and just kind of strengthen that depth and that strengthen that you know contact and speed aspect of the team, um, especially in a, in a, in a cold-weather team. It's, it's cold there, you know, in the May, and then it's cold there early. Oh, so yeah. you can't just have offense because obviously offense is going to cool off with the weather. So you need some pitching and some defense, and their defense isn't very good. But we'll no. see, you know, pitching-wise, Kenta Maeda, Dylan Bundy, they signed, uh, Griffin Jacks, young guy. They have Randy Dubnak, who does a little bit of both, right, pitching, starting, and reliever. I believe pitching Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy, so they have decent guys there. But they could use, you know, a starting pitcher, number one guy, maybe a Carlos Radon, someone like that, to really head that rotation, and maybe a bullpen piece to help out, a Kimbrough or something that could be on the market. Um, so they get a, you know – a good starter and a good reliever. And some of these offensive guys, they, you know, have a little bit better years. Buxton stays healthy in a well, relatively open division. They could compete for sure. They have some talent. But we'll kind of say they're kind of sitting where the Yankees were, which if they were just bad. And I don't know why, right? Yeah. So if they can turn some of that, you know, and get there, they, they, can, they could be a good team. We've seen it for about two years where they were pretty good. And all of a sudden they fell apart. And they did that a couple of years ago as well. Mm-hmm. They had a good year, year and a half, and then they're supposed to be good, and they fell apart. Right. And then they're bad. And then they had a couple of good years, a year, two years, so they're good, fell apart last year. So is this going to be, you know, now they're going to be good for two years and then fall apart again? Because you can't really have that. you got to figure out why that's happening. Right. So we'll see what happens there. Prospects-wise, you know, Royce Lewis, shortstop. They have Austin Martin, a uh, utility guy. And then they have Jordan uh, Balazovic. Pitcher, I think we've seen him a little bit last year at the end of the year. I think so, yeah. Um, in respect to the 35th, 36th, and 81st ranked prospects, and that's their three in the top 100. So they have a couple guys here that they can call up here in the near future that will help them as well. Right. Um, and they have, you know, where their lineup sits, they can make some moves. After, after signing Buxton to an extension, that kind of tells you, oh, okay, maybe they're, they're going to hold around. They're, they feel pretty confident with this team. Maybe they're going to make a move or two in the right direction. If they were to trade a Buxton, you go, okay, maybe they're going to make a move kind of start rebuilding a little bit. But with signing Buxton, I think they're going to make a move and let's compete 
you know, right. market. So mm-hmm. we'll see what they're going to do here. But overall, they have some talent. They're another question mark. I just feel like they're on the, the wrong side of the question mark because they don't have super young talent and they have some strikeouts and they don't have great pitching. While Detroit, they have a lot of young guys, some super potential, some money they're willing to spend. They're already re- and they're on the right side, you know, of, of trying to compete. Well, the Twins, we don't really know yet. Right. The twins are kind of more where the Indians are or the Guardians. We were like, they could do either way at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're just a uh, weird team. Weird. 500, they could be 90 wins, they could be 95 wins. That's what they do for agency and trade-wise before the season when that starts. Mm-hmm. Um, or they could be, you know, 70 wins. So they really can go anywhere. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say with them. I think the other teams other than the White Sox, I could kind of peg, oh, they'll be around here, they'll kind of float. You know, they, they have the potential to, to push a wild card. But this team is like, like you said, they could – they could have 90, 95 wins and all of a sudden are a wild card. And it's like, I, or they could be like last year and they're just, they're just awful. There's 70 it, wins, you know, best. Yeah. They're getting so. kind of kicked around, you know? So I don't know. They're, they're going to be the hardest team. I, I think I have in this division to kind of pin down. I'm going to have to, you know, and we'll see what happens with free agency, obviously too. You know, if, yeah. if we're able to help, if we're able to predict by the time some free agents get signed and we have a better picture, then that'll obviously help. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's a division. Division's weird. Uh, it's not very competitive comparatively to the other divisions, especially, you know, slide over one to the AL East, you know, or even the AL West at this point. You know, the the White Sox, I think, are pretty much in the driver's seat, and it's their division to lose at this point. And we'll see where teams like the Tigers can come up and, and start to knock them off their pedestal, you know. So, I don't know. Weird division. Uh, I think it's one of the probably the weirdest division to talk about out of the six. I think that there's pretty much a competition at the top of each division other than this one, you know, but for sure, you know, not that there's not going to be, but coming into the season, that's kind of what it's looking like. It's not a paper race. Right. Exactly. Thrown together race that we're going to see in a year. Yeah. That if it's anything like last year, anything can happen. So yeah, exactly. Other than that, you know, that's, that's pretty much it with the AL central. Like you, like you just mentioned, it's pretty much a one team race with some, some candidates, some dark horse candidates, but you don't really have, you know, those two uh, blue chip teams that are going to chase each other. And then, you know, there's going to be a dark horse team. It's pretty much one. And then a couple dark horse teams, maybe mm-hmm. other than that, you know, the last little thing I got here is our trivia question. Trivia question, you know, obviously we try keeping it right. Pretty, pretty centered on what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So which player leads the twins or is a leader for the twins franchise in at bats hits runs, Doubles and triples. He leads those categories. To go into addition, he's fourth in RBIs, second in games, second in stolen bases, 11th in walks, and third in average. So this is one of the greatest twins to ever put on one of their uniforms. Strictly by the stats. Mm -hmm. That's all you can go by for the most part. Right. So which player leads the twins in at-bats, hits, runs, doubles, and triples? And the answer to that is Sam Rice. An older player who played with the Twins from 1915 to 1933. His career spanned 1915 to 1934. Last year, he played with the Cleveland Indians at the time. He was 25. He started with the Twins when he was 25 years old. He played till he was 43 with the Twins. He was 44 with the Indians. Um, and some of these stats consist of 8,934 bats, 1,465 runs, 2,889 hits. These are all just stats of the Twins. 479 doubles, 183 triples, and a 323 lifetime average with the Twins. Also compiling 346 stolen bases and 2,308 games played, 1,045 RBIs, 680 walks. Those are just his stats with the Twins. Jesus. And his, 
he was about three to four hundred more walks than he had stolen bait, uh, strikeouts. I believe he was like 280 strikeouts or something like that. Um, or low 300 strikeouts in his career. So he was obviously almost double more. So again, he leads the Twins in at-bats, hits, runs, doubles, triples. He's fourth in RBIs. He's second in games by only a few games behind Killebrew. Um, he's second in stolen bases. He's 11th in walks, third in average. And the leader in the average is, is you know, Rod Carew. I think he was like 335. Right. So Sam Rice is one of the greatest Twins. Right by here by the stats here, he's one of the you know, franchise leaders in almost everything and top five in just about everything offensively. Right. Mm. So... But a forgotten player. You know, you hear Sam Rice, you're like, I don't really even know who that is. Yeah, right. Um, for us, it was almost like we don't even know who he was. And you hear the name, you kind of look him up, you go, oh, okay, I kind of remember him now. You mm. know, you kind of remember hearing about him a little bit. Uh, World Series winner with them. But, um, yeah, you know, that's a good player, Hall of Fame player, just under 3,000 hits in mm-hmm. his career. But, yeah, it definitely was a little surprising, especially with some of the guys with the Twins, Rod Carew, Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, uh, Harmon Killebrew, you know, Kirby Puckett. You know, there's Toy Hunter even. There's some been some guys offensively that are really good. Mm-hmm. And here's one that just kind of slips under the radar. No one really thinks about it when you talk about the Twins. That's one of the greatest players that ever put on the uniform and might be their greatest player to ever put on the uniform. And a guy you never hear. Right. You hear Twins, you hear Killebrew, you know, Carew, Toy Hunter, Morneau, Maurer. You know, those guys you hear about. Mm-hmm. Kirby Puckett, Jack Morse, even, you know, with you know with some pitching sides. Johan Santana. Um, Michael Kadire, you always talk about those guys with the Twins. Right. You never hear anyone talking about Sam Rice. No. And he's probably the greatest offensive player that the Twins have ever had and one of the greatest they ever put on a uniform for them. Right. Yeah. So unless you're a Twins fan, you really know your stuff. Or you're just an old baseball fan. You know, he's kind of... Uh, <clears throat> a forgotten hero. Yeah, lost in time kind of thing because it has been over 100 years since, you know, it's been, you know, less than 100 years since he played, but, like, over 100 since he debuted. So, it's like, yeah. you know, and he won a World long Series time. From him. For a team that doesn't have many of them, you got to think you kind of remember the guys who helped you win them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, I thought that was, you know, a pretty fitting trivia question. And, again, which player leads the Twins? And at bats, hits, runs, doubles, and triples in, in the franchise history. And it's Sam Rice. Yeah. Yeah, good player. Uh, you know, you look at his stats, and they pretty much speak for themselves. You can't take anything away from him. But... You know, it did take me a second. I'm like, oh, I know that name, but, like, it doesn't click right away. It's just like, you know. But, again, if you're a Twins fan out there, you, you're like, what are you talking about? He's obvious. You know, so, but that's, Numbers know. probably retired, you would like to think, if he had a number. Probably, um, yeah. Or has his plaque somewhere. He's, again, one of the greatest Twins of all time. Yeah. Makes sense, obviously, in the context of the of the episode, uh, being the AL Central. And uh, at the time, too, they were they were under the banner of the Washington Senators, by the way. So that also contributes to... Maybe while you're trying to think of twins, like maybe you think like, let me envision someone in a twins uniform, you know, that might not help you if you're trying to think of Sam Rice, but uh, great old baseball player. You know, like I said, sats speak for themselves. And like you said, probably one of the best twins of all time. Probably one of the, you know, fran- clearly franchise leader and a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. I think it wraps up the episode nice. Again, kind of like how we've been saying for a while now with our episodes, there's not much much more to talk about as far as like side news, sidebar news, um, CBA is coming along. You know, obviously we would have wished it would have had been done and buried at this point. As of Monday, February 28th, they are still working on it. This is technically their deadline to keep the opening day. I think as long as they're close, we'll be okay. Um, they are working late. They are working on it. They're getting some answers. They're starting to get some things leaking out. So I think things are going, heading in the right direction. Other than that, you know, we mentioned a lot of stuff about the CBA last week. So we'll see what new rules and new things come about and when free agency starts, when the season gets going. 
Otherwise, I think our other side piece of news to really note is Derek Jeter stepped down mm. as CEO of the Marlins. Um, different vision for the franchise, which is scary if you're a Marlins fan because, you know, obviously Jeter comes from a, a vision of winning. Marlins come from a vision of not spending much money. Mm. So are they still splitting those those areas? If that's the case, you know, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Especially right. with Marlins up and coming. Um, but that, other than that, you know, him stepping down in the CBA, slowly, you know, getting put together. There's not much other news outside of, you know, some off-season things we just talked about with the, with the AL Central um, and next week the AL West to really mention. Right. Yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's probably going to be an explosion of signings and news once CBA does get signed. But for now, we're kind of like how we were talking about in the offseason. There's not much else to kind of go off on, you know. So, we'll see. As we've been saying, we'll see what happens at the CBA. They're figuring it out. They'll get through it, whether some games get delayed or uh, some get canceled or pushed back or something. I don't, you know, I'm sticking to what I said before. I don't think it'll be, even if there is one, I don't think there'll be a big delay, you know. Uh, if there is, it is what it is, but it's not going to, like, it's not going to be like COVID where you know, all of a sudden we're looking at June and July. It's n- nowhere near that bad, thankfully, um, where, you know, some people did speculate that the sides were that far apart that it could take forever. So, you know, uh, hopefully, as I kind of always like to say, hopefully by next week we have good news and we can say that it's signed off on and we're good to go. So um, we will see next week what what news will bring. So. So with that, you know, I don't really have much else for the AL Central. We'll move on to the AL West next week and wrap up the American League for the predictions. And uh, we'll go from there. We'll see where the CBA is. Maybe we can, maybe that'll help us with our, you know, predictions if we have some free agent signings or trades going on, you know, yeah. something. Yeah, and uh, the hope is that there's a CBA today or even tomorrow. And if that's the case, the next time we record, there could be a chance that these teams that we already mentioned, these 10 teams, already changed. And we can right. even bring that up quickly next week. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they sign him, they send him. So that could even change a little bit. But as of now, though, you know, I, you know, most of these teams are kind of set set yeah. up pretty well. There's going to be some, you know, obviously they, they want to spend, they want to spend, they could change big things. But for the most part, you know, you, have, you have feel pretty confident in what you're running out in the field. So we'll see what happens. Next week should be a good episode. AL West is kind of ever-changing. And hopefully we do have an answer because AL West teams could definitely change big time with the CBA going and free agents and trades, especially look at days that could really factor into what their team looks like. Yeah. That that's a division that can flip with, with free agent signings and trades. So, uh, so we'll see with that. That's going to be a, a more competitive division, I think than, than this division, but that there's, you no, know. there's no guess out there. There's so many moves yet to be made. Yeah, exactly. That, that could change everything, but, um, should be exciting. And we're on the cusp of pen to paper here on CBI. We think, um, but, again, you never quite know. Yeah, you can never say for sure. We're not in the meeting room, so you never know. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a good place to stop. I think we'll uh, we'll come back and talk about the AL West and hopefully have better news. So, with that, uh, I guess we could just wrap this one up. Yeah. All right, well, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLaPree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLaPree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FDubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care.